Chefs Without Restaurants, episode 133 with Andres Lagsden of Baking Steel. As an entrepreneur and as somebody who's in the food world and talk about ideas, you know, execution is everything. Ideas are great, but you know, don't, it's never going to be perfect. Just go out. And if you really feel it, like you're feeling this thing and this won't go away, go make it happen. You know, take that very first step, take massive action. Don't worry about what people are going to tell you. Don't worry about that, you know, them clobbering you like this is a bad idea. Just go out and do it. You will be so happy and proud of yourself. This is the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast with your host, Chris Spear. Each week, I'll be speaking with food entrepreneurs and people in the culinary industry. If you're interested in learning more about our organization dedicated to helping people build and grow their food businesses, look us up on the web at chefswithoutrestaurants.com and .org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Chefs Without Restaurants. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome to the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. I'm your host, Chris Spear. On the show, I have conversations with culinary entrepreneurs and people in the food and beverage industry who took a different route. They're caterers, research chefs, personal chefs, cookbook authors, food truckers, farmers, cottage bakers, and all sorts of culinary renegades. I myself fall into the personal chef category, as I started my own personal chef business, Perfect Little Bites, 11 years ago. And while I started working in kitchens in the early 90s, I've literally never worked in a restaurant. This week, I have Baking Steel founder Andrus Lagsden with his inspiring story of how he built his successful business. He spent a number of years working in restaurants, which included being on Chef Todd English's management team. Tired of the restaurant industry, Andrus decided to go work at his family's steel manufacturing business. But it was an aha moment that led to the creation of what's now known as the Baking Steel. In addition to hearing his origin story, we also talk about pizza making and how to get the most out of your baking steel. Want tips on successfully getting that pizza onto your steel? Ever wondered if you can put a glass dish on top of it? You'll get the answers to these questions and more on today's show. And we talked about a few different topics, which I cut out of our discussion to keep the episode on topic. But those clips are going to be released later as many episodes like I've been doing these past couple of weeks. Not only will you hear Andrus talking about what he thinks a chef is, but we also had a great discussion about health and wellness. It's something, if you've listened to the show, I've been talking to a lot of people about, and I don't necessarily want this to become like the health and wellness show, but I think it's really important. It's only a 10-minute clip, but I did feel like it kind of took away a little bit from the conversation about uh, his business and the pizza, even though who you are as a person contributes a lot to who you are as a businessman, I guess, if that makes sense. So I am going to be releasing that as a separate mini episode in the next coming days or weeks. And as I've said before, if you enjoy the show, I'd love for you to share it. And if you're inclined, you can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or directly on our pod page site. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy the show. Have a fantastic weekend. Hey, Andres, how's it going? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hey, thanks for having me today, Chris. It's great to be here. I uh, love the baking steel. I think it's an amazing product. I'm sure many of our listeners have either used one or have one. Uh, so I kind of wanted to talk to you about the whole, how that came about and your favorite ways to use it and just uh, cooking in general. Great. Well, I, I can give you the long story. Um, I was in the food industry in my early 20s. I studied culinary arts and restaurant management and just loved the vibes of restaurants. 
always been fascinated by it and food in particular, right? Who, I mean, who doesn't love food? And um, so I, that was my career path. I thought I was going to be a, a restaurant owner one day. That was my ambition. And I uh, did everything I could to fulfill that. I worked, you name it, every position available to the restaurant world. And from being a, not a chef, but, you know, working on the line to running kitchens, to running fun house, everything. Uh, I, my last final culinary adventure was with Todd English at his figs restaurant initially. And if you're not familiar with Todd, but he's got this figs, which is like a Roman style, just awesome, amazing pizzas. I got a job with Todd slinging pizzas originally, fell in love with pizza and who he is and his creative genius with food. And was super passionate about it. And anyway, I just loved it. And I ended up eventually on his management team a couple of years later. And so there I learned the intricacies of numbers and restaurant in the restaurant world. And I was like blown away by the, the, the tiny margins and got scared because I was like, I could, I could open a restaurant up, but I'm not taught English in the kitchen. So my capacity may not be 100%. But when, you, when you're taught and you're doing business plans, you can anticipate that. And he's one of the first restaurant tours that I like knew of. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm a Boston guy. Like I grew up in Massachusetts. Like I'm from there. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. cool. And no, so, I like, didn't know he that. He's one of these people who I, I went to culinary school. I went to Johnson Wales in '94. So if you think of like the Boston food scene sure. around then, yeah. like he was one of those oh, guys yeah. that I looked up to, right? Like not only big time. He had a couple of restaurants, and then just kind of watching this empire grow. So I just wanted to jump in because I don't think you and I have ever talked about this. I, I'm from Marlboro, so um, yeah. So you We're know, neighbors my whole. Almost. Yeah, my whole um, growing up was like going into Boston to eat out because, you know, Marlboro didn't really have a food scene. So when I'd get sure. into Boston, it was like, where can we go? And yeah, so I really admired him from a very young age. I think his books were probably the first that I got, like when I was in culinary school, like the Olives book and the Figs book before chefs were putting out cookbooks. Right. Yeah, he was a, right, he was a trailblazer. And this yeah. is, yeah, he was, there was like a, maybe a small handful of chefs and this is before chefs became like celebrity chefs. And so, yeah, most definitely. I, so same. So I was in my, my twenties and I'm sending Todd resumes because I had a culinary degree and I had restaurant, I had a ton of restaurant experience. I couldn't get a job with him. Just kept, I literally would send a resume probably every month. Uh, then I went away for a while out to California and came back. And it's funny. I, I come back. The very first job I get is actually teaching tennis. I, I was a tennis pro and I got this job at, down the Cape and this real exclusive place. And um, I'm probably like in my mid twenties. I think I'm cool. And this older woman comes out to me like the first week I'm working there. She's like, Hey, you should meet my son-in-law. He has a, a restaurant in Boston. You should meet with him. I'm like, sure. That'd be great. Let me know. And I'm like too cool for school. Don't pay attention. The entire summer goes by and there she is towards the end. And she's like, Hey, Anders, do you want to meet my son-in-law? And I'm like, I'd love to. What's, what's his name? She's like, it's Todd English. I'm like, you fucking kidding me. That's you crazy. Be, right? Isn't that crazy? So all the resumes I had sent him, not a not a callback. Next week, I'm literally in the kitchen with him making pizzas. Uh, Todd loves tennis. It was just a serendipitous, right? And uh, so it's, it's one of those things, like it's not what you know, it's almost who you know, right? And, almost uh, always, yeah. Almost always. So there I was. And I was literally hired on the spot. I want to say like making 12 bucks an hour making pizzas. And I, I didn't mind. I thought this is great. Um, I got my foot in the door. That's all I wanted to do, show my stuff. And that's kind of what I did. And I worked with Todd and again, ultimately ended up on his management team, 
I saw some some really um, areas where I could really improve um, inside and kind of bridge the gap between the creative and the administrative. Um, and it was a really, I kind of created a position for myself. It was dynamite. I really loved it. and got to really spend a lot of time with him. So I'm guessing that's where you like found your love for pizza. hundred percent. Yeah. 100. And I love pizza. Who doesn't love pizza? No, but there is pizza. like, I still envision like the, the mise en place, the putting that together for his pizzas, which are really unique and in, in its own work. It was beautiful. So getting into the baking steel, so your family was in the steel business or yeah, are they still in the steel business? Yeah, they still are. It's ironically. So when I left olives, I, you know, I had some world experience now and I was, I was kind of turned off by the restaurant world or I needed a break or a timeout. And my dad's an entrepreneur. So what I did growing up, I followed my dad around, right? Like who doesn't who follow their dad around? My dad like a, I call him like a street engineer. He works with his hands and he works with steel and makes stuff. And he developed this really cool product called a, a, it's called a flip pad, which is like a stabilizer component for backhoes. Everyone's seen one, but you haven't seen, the marketing's terrible for it, right? So I thought, and it's welded, it's a fab shop, welding, powder coating, you know, cutting steel, it's just very old industry type of work. And um, I never thought I would, as an adult, I would be back there. But there I was having, you know, a coffee with my dad one morning. He said, "Hey, what do you think of me me coming back to work with you?" And I, obviously, I can bring a different level of expertise to help grow this. My brother was there, thirty other people, and there I was back in the family business with restaurant world experience and real world experience, trying to grow his team and his business. And most people wouldn't think that those would go together, but you know, as as we get into the story, we will find out how those go together. Yeah. What was the spark for the baking steel? I mean, I I know because I know about you and how it came about, but I'd love for you to talk about you know your aha moment of where this started. Yeah. So you know, I worked with my dad for, I guess, the version two point of me. Work worked with my dad for about fifteen years. I really enjoyed trying to grow the business. It wasn't my passion, right? It wasn't what I love to do every day. Um, I was married. I had a really nice pay. Uh, I, they took care of me well, took care of them well. I had kids. And my kids at the time, it changes your life. Everyone has a story about their kids. And I was older. And my son used to ask what I did every day. And I didn't want to say work because that didn't sound very appealing. And I was trying to show, demonstrate that you could find something that you love. And I couldn't find the story. I just couldn't find it to share with him. Uh, So I really started to do some internal digging inside of myself. And I did a lot of reading and a lot of yoga. I was trying to find that thing, that burning thing that makes me get up every morning. And I just didn't have it and did a lot of journaling, et cetera. Listened to a lot of Tony Robbins, uh, still do today. And wouldn't you know, one night, Friday night at work, it's a, everyone left. I'm reading the Wall Street Journal, just kind of hanging out by myself. And I read this article about this new cookbook. It's called The Modernist Cuisine, written by Nathan Mirvold. You know, the rest of that is history. It's amazing. It's amazing. I have I have the books. I Once they had been out for a couple of years, I got my hands on a used copy. So it wasn't quite the $600 that I think it was going for at the time. Yeah, it's nuts. I didn't, by the way, I was, I was reading the article, 600 bucks. I'm like, wow, fascinating, right? But what I really liked it because he turned like the food world upside down, just started ask, asking questions of how things are done and, you know, scientifically. So 
it's a deep investigation into the food and the science, the physics of cooking. So anyways, a former foodie, I'm like, that's fascinating. And the Wall Street Journal starts to pepper questions to Nathan about cooking. And the third question was how to create a Neapolitan style pizza at home. And again, I have all of Todd's recipes. I have got a, a pizza stone in my oven. I broke a few of my career at home. I just thought you needed wood fired to make it like legendary at home. I'm sure your listeners, we all cook pizza at home, soggy bottoms, right? Definitely. Yep. All the time. <laughs> so in any case, I read that. He said to use a piece of steel for a shelf. And it, it's like someone took a baseball bat over my head. I got goosebumps all over me. And I'm, I knew steel conducted energy really well, but I didn't know it stored it, right? But it makes sense, right? Got this big mass of metal. You get it hot. Once it gets hot, it stays hot. So I ran out to my plant. I grabbed a piece of steel that we use for caterpillar components and I brought it home. And my wife's like, what are you doing with that piece of steel? I said, I'm making pizza for us this weekend. And she basically looked at me and she said, I am not eating it. My son just looked at me like with big bright eyes, like, wow, dad's cool. It's like the guy's <laughs> talking about uh, tailgating and like cooking food on the hood of the car. Or on the on the, exactly. Of the lock, that's right. right. That's basically what we're doing. And so I, I made dough that weekend, Todd's recipe and, I timed it just for fun. It was like seven minute bake, but for the first time I had a crispy bottom. I was literally like, are you shitting me? Like that's like the Holy grail in a home oven. And so I was super, like, I can't begin to tell you how enthusiastic I was. This is 2011, 2012. I went back to my office on Monday and told my, my dad, my brother to sit down. I've got this new idea for a product. I told him what it was. They're like, get back, get back to your office. You know, we're a steel company. We, we provide Caterpillar, John Deere, you name it, those guys with our products. How in the world are we going to introduce a kitchen product? Right. Just like that. Shut down. Just shut me down. And I, you know what? I believe them. I'm like, what are you, an idiot? We all have ideas. I'm like, you're right. I shelved it for a year, uh, almost a year. But it was one of those ideas that just would not go away. And we've all have these. We all have ideas. The follow through is tough. I get it, right? Maybe an idea a day, right? But the follow through is really tough in the execution. But in any case, I woke up and I, I actually just started taking massive action. And for me, what that meant is making some prototypes, making samples for myself, but also for friends. I had a million dollars worth of equipment that could produce these things. And guess what? That that feedback would, was the same feedback I got when I had was creating pizzas in the oven. So now I'm like, this is interesting. What do I do, right? What do I do with this idea that I want to bring to life? And I started doing more reading. I read some Gary Vaynerchuk, his first book, Crush It. And it was an incredible book about, and this is before Instagram, before online sales were direct to consumer they call it like DTC now, was a thing. And I started kind of believe creating a story around what I was trying to do. And by the way, the, the baking steel, credit my wife for that name. We wanted to do it more than just pizza. And so we came up with the name, was super heavy. It was 15 to 20 pounds. Nothing like that in the kitchenware for home home goods, right? For home home cooks. Super heavy. So it was it's like massive. trailblazing. Yeah. It's massive. <laughs> I was horrified. I'm like, okay, cool. But in any case, I got the courage. I thought if I could sell 50 a month, boom, right? I've got a 
side hustle, my family business, happy as a clam, kind of doing what I love while helping the family business grow with them. And uh, that was my plan. So we went on Kickstarter and this is 2012 before Kickstarter really was a big thing. And Oh yeah, that's really early. I mean, when did, I mean, Kickstarter probably started about that time. Probably a year or two before that. Yeah. And all I knew on Kickstarter is the, I had some great guidance is if you, if you have a project, you plan your project and you hit your goal, you will be on Kickstarter forever. Right. And so uh, knowing that I had a really reasonable, humble goal of $3,000. And I thought if I could sell 50 units, boom, we got it. I'm like happy, happy camper. But wouldn't you know, I guess the world was looking for a product like this. We hit $3,000 in a day. And that was my mother, my brothers, my friends, right? Um, I had some friends, but 3000 was beyond that. And it started to catch a little bit of headwind and viral for us is, you know, at the time was mind blowing. So we ended up 30 days later selling about 500 units of pre-selling and raising about 38 to 40 grand. Well, suddenly now my family believes (laughs) everyone's believing in this thing. The good news is we're manufacturers. So we understood that and we were able to make these, fulfill them before our Kickstarter deadline. And which is a big deal I'm still a backer of some projects that I haven't received yet years later. Me too. So. There's been a number of things that I have backed. And sometimes you just have to say, I believe in the person and it was a great project, but sure. there's been restaurants I've backed that have not opened. There have been products that I've backed. I've backed cookbooks that never got published. And it's just like, yeah, uh, it makes it hard because I want to keep backing products and um, right. projects, but you know, it happens. And and that's where I, I don't know anything about manufacturing. Like I have ideas. I have a notebook of ideas. I have some cool things that I would love to manufacture for the kitchen, but it's like, I, like, I don't have a background in that. I don't know anything. It seems like that's just something that I'll table because I have so many things that I know I can execute on and do well. That's a good point. That's, I think that, you know, this was my wheelhouse, by the way. You think about pizza, you think about steel, like, I mean, boom, this thing, this product was made for me. And I, um, it like fell on my lap because of, you know, my background and I, it totally made sense. And again, manufacturing was my wheelhouse. So I'm like, bring it and let's go. And, uh, we, we were able to fulfill and it's really from that day on, it's become like a business out of the gates and obviously a lot of work to get there, not a straight line by any means, but it's become, it's a brand almost right out of the, right out of the gates. Super grateful. Got some incredible write-ups, got some incredible support from people. Well, I'd assume that a lot of the success comes from, you know, like Serious Eats loves it. Like when Kenji you know, oh, the foodies, yeah. right? Like when a guy like Kenji does all these blog posts on the baking steel and how you can finally make amazing pizza at home, like that kind of stuff has to give you a lot of traction. Oh, can you, yeah. Can we talk about that influencer marketing? So yeah, I was absolutely. doing, doing influencer marketing before it was even influencer marketing. Kenji. So forever um, in Kenji's debt for taking our um, prod, he contacted me during the Kickstarter. So I didn't, I knew Kenji, obviously, and the food world. And he reaches out to me and said, Hey, I see your Kickstarter. This is really intriguing. Can I, can I test one out? I'm like horrified. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm going to give this, my, my baby to Kenji. He's going to be like lukewarm about it. And 
I'm going to lose at the time, like $17,000 worth of Kickstarter backers. That's what I'm, that's going through my brain, right? Our, we're fragile <laughs> as entrepreneurs, but the same token, I'm like, it's $17,000 of pre-sales. Let's get this into the hands of Kenji because if he does like it, or it's comparable even to a stone at that point, I knew it was better, but again, that's, I'm biased. Let's get it and see what he says. And so he had it for a couple of days. He emails me back. I read his email at about 11.15 at night. And he said, this thing blows away my stone. I'm going to do a full review for you guys. And tomorrow, I'm like, is it okay if I do a little blurb? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> of course, of course. I don't think I slept the rest of that night. And if anybody, anybody listening is in manufacturing, my family business was a becoming an ISO 9001 accredited supplier to the massive like corporations like Caterpillar. It's like going through this audit that you just don't want. It's almost worse than going through the dentist for a cavity. I'm going through this audit. I've got my, I don't even know what I had then at the time for a, a smart, I must've had a, a rim maybe or some kind of smartphone that was connecting me to what was going on with Kickstarter. Um, it was blowing up. <laughs> I wasn't listening to my meeting. Uh, we ended up two days later going from 17 to 38,000 in backers, almost doubled our campaign. So I got a taste of what influencer marketing is. And that was Kenji. Mind blow. I mean, that's probably where I heard about your product. I mean, I can't think about who it was, but, you know, in that food circle of, you know, like guys like Kenji and uh, ideas in food and Dave Arnold, like, you know, those are the people that I love yes. and they're always looking for the best way or a better way or a different way to do things. So I'm sure it was one of those channels and it was probably Kenji's thing where I saw that and I'm like, this is, this is amazing. I got to get one of these things. Kenji was just amazing about his write-up and his science background and able to do his detailed um, articulating what, what was really happening and it really supported the product. And th then once we got to shipping these out to the individuals who, who purchased them, you know, they're the same, they're, they're having the same exact results that I did. They're like, holy shit, my pizza is now crispy and it doesn't take 10 to 12 minutes. And by the way, the second pizza is made just as quickly as the first pizza, because anybody of us who uses a pizza stone know that what happens, the heat reduces each time you open that oven up and put something on top, while the steel just continues to bounce back pizza after pizza. So I can make, you know, multiple, even today, I can make multiple pizzas with one oven, two steels, I can I can crank them out. I can't even work fast enough. Yeah, it's like anyone who's ever worked with a fryer, like that recovery time, like the first batch of whatever is great. And then yeah. you can't like drop another batch of fries right away. It's got to come back up to temp. You're better off waiting, right? If you want it to be crispy, you got to wait that time, that time frame. So that's basically what, what was going on. And then it became, you know, my marketing genius, this is before Instagram was like Adam Coopin would call me and these people would call me, I'd, I'd be sending them steels out. Now I'm super fortunate, by the way, because um, I'm still working for Stoughton Steel Company on their payroll, right? So I'm doing some R&D, but I've got this kind of corporation, small business still, but helping me. And super, I'm still super grateful for that right moment. So I had a little bit of help with that and um, thankful for obviously for the, the equipment and the team and uh, Fast forward a couple of years, I'm still making baking steels. My family continues to make them for us, but I am now the customer, uh, which is great.
Well, that's really cool. Yeah, I can't imagine starting it from scratch. Like if you were just like, you've never been in steel, you don't have experience right. oh, with yeah. and like opening a steel plant to manufacture these. That you know, I mean, or, even, yeah. or even finding someone to custom do that and have to bring like a design to someone outside. I, I don't know that it would have gotten off the ground. It would be tough. It'd be one of those ideas that would just kind of sit there, right? Because the execution part is, is difficult because what do you do, right? And then there's a matter of, you know, trying to sell this thing. Like, what do you do there? Well, fortunately, I had a background in food and it, it became I, my passion, right? Is food. And so it was pretty easy for me to take massive action because it was my wheelhouse. Like, I got this. Well, that's and, where uh, um, James Altucher talks about idea sex. I don't know if you've ever heard, heard of James Altucher, but- I sure have. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, And he talks about, you know, like you might not be the best pizza maker and you might not be the best like steel maker, right? But like how many people out there have a combined knowledge of like pizza and steel? And, you know, can you put those together? And that idea, like these successful people in business have found ways to fuse two kind of different things together, you know? Yeah, and that's exactly what it was. It was just like you had, again, I had all the equipment, I had- some knowledge and I'm gaining knowledge on the DTC things by reading, you know, James Altucher and Gary V obviously. And uh, I started my business because of Gary V like literally. Oh, you did. Good for you. When I was working, I mean, I side hustled for like seven years or something while I had the security of a corporate cooking job, Sure, but I was commuting every day and I started with, you know, crush it, listening to an audio book in the car, you know, listening to his podcast. Gosh, if you listen to Gary for five minutes, you're going to get some confidence, right? And you might hate him, though. He has a lot of people who don't like his style, but... Yeah, it's funny. He, I think he can come across as... Well, I mean, super confident. I Almost like he's like a... Uh, uh, he could be... You could consider him like a salesman, but he's not. Like, he's super passionate about what he's talking about. He's real. He's kind. And those are the real the, the traits that I, I love about him, is his kindness. I've got a chance to meet him a couple of times. But, you know, like his... Crush it. In fact, I think it was like chapter seven. It was marketing. I'm like, oh, fired up. This is great. What's he going to talk about? How's he going to talk about marketing? I think it was one word, C-A-R-E, to care. And it's like, boom, like it was just like this thing came down from the sky and said, exactly, that's exactly what you should do, you know, which entails maybe responding to every email, to comments on your Instagram page, and not just saying, you know, thumbs up or what, you know, maybe really responding, putting a little heart into what you're saying you know, scale the unscalable. And that's power. It's so powerful for all of us. And, you know, I can't tell how many orders I've lost money on, or I've sent double steals, or shipped twice or three times, not because I was trying to turn a profit, because trying to make that person happy. Because if I can make that person happy, maybe they're going to tell a friend or two. And if we're talking about pizza, by the way, (laughs) there's some math formula that works in in our favor. Because as you know, cooking at home for friends and family and sharing your creations is there's more to it than just the food. It's like putting your heart into it. So there's so much at play here. And by delivering that, people will talk about you forever. And that's kind of been our mantra. And pizza is one of the most fun things that you can do with a group I've found. Like, you know, get all the toppings out on the island or whatever. But, you know, the process of rolling and stretching the dough, especially if you have kids. I have nine-year-old twins. They love being involved awesome. in the process. And everyone likes a different pizza. So it's nice to be able to customize the pizzas and just, you know, do a little smaller one and throw it in and get it going. And I really quick, I want to share like a, a horror story because I did take a baking steel to someone's house. They They bought a cooking class for their teenage daughter 
And I knew they weren't going to get a baking seal or, or thought they wouldn't, but I wanted to take one and show them how to do it. So I'm making pizza at their house. I brought a full-size sheet pan to carry it on. We make the pizza, whatever. You know, I got to get out of there. It's still warm. I put it on the sheet pan. <laughs> I'm walking out, and I don't know what happened, but it shifted, and the steel slid off the tray and fell on oh. the floor. Oh, no. They're like breezeway. Oh, no. And the thing's still probably close to like 500 degrees. I don't know how it didn't melt their floor. They had like laminate floor in there. And I'm like, I can't get my fingers under it because there's no lip. And it's like sit – and I, I like run through my gear and I had to get like two spatulas. And I'm like lifting it up with my <laughs> oven mitts. It's burning through my oven mitts because it's so hot. And I like chucked it on the the sheet tray and I'm like – I'm going to be buying like $10,000 of floor. And I looked and there wasn't a mark. I don't know what that wow. floor was made of. I thought for sure it was going to melt this giant rectangle. That's the Can last time I've schlepped it to someone's house for a cooking lesson. Because, I mean, they stay hot for so long. That's the thing. It's like I didn't think about, oh, I'm going to make this pizza in an hour. I'm going to leave and it's still going to be 500 degrees. I mean, it would have been fine if it stayed on that pan. But just the way that it like slid off that sheet tray, I was like, oh my God, I'm It's horrifying. Gonna, yeah, yeah. It's horrifying. And I can believe you, I, I went through those scenarios in the beginning. I'm like, don't do this. This is, and I, I actually had, I had some, some marketing professionals come in and tell me, this is nuts. You're crazy. There's no chance you're going to have a selling this thing, let alone being in a store somewhere. Someone can't walk that, right? Walk that out. In any case, we were able to, um, to make that transition and make it happen, which was great. <laughs> what are some of your favorite things besides pizza to do with it? I know you have a cookbook and a whole arsenal of things. What are your favorite things? You know, we, we called it a baking steel because we knew it would do more than just, just pizza. So we started getting into um, looking at different recipes. One, one, we really took a deep dive into pizza dough, really try to master that, if you will. And then we started looking at other bread types of things. And one thing that was fascinating to me for some reason and still is today is like English muffins. And how do you produce the perfect English muffin? And I, at the time, I always thought they would be baked. Just didn't know. And there, there are some recipes that require baking on the English muffin side, but we decided to do fry them, fry them on the stovetop, on the griddle. Where we have a baking steel, we call baking steel griddle. And they, we fry them in like avocado oil or clarified butter, a few minutes, five minutes aside or whatever. And they're basically the best English muffins you'll ever have, especially if you do a, a one or two day fermentation with that dough, which adds that extra level of flavor. So that's something that's not anticipated. Obviously, like Kenji would do, smash burgers are incredible. Put the baking steel on your grill or put on your stovetop. It's great for like a post sous vide on the steak, you know, yeah, like, doing that, like get them out, dry them off and then throw them on there just to get a good. Yeah. Cause we know sous vide, you know, every cubic centimeter of that steak is cooked perfectly. Then we just do a quick sear at the end, you know, because the steel is flat surface, you get like an incredible sear on both sides. And still today, one of my favorite steaks, right. Is the sous vide sear. If we call it. Well, I'll tell you, I just made bagels at home last Ooh. week, and they were amazing. It's actually mentioned in an upcoming cookbook. I'm not sure when our episode is going to air, but Kathy Barrow, I don't know if you know who she is. She's written a number of books. Yes. She just wrote uh, a book on bagels that is coming out March 15th. Uh, she's going to be on the podcast. She's a previous guest. Oh, nice. And she recommends that to, you know, she says this would be best. If you don't have that, then you can do, you know, a stone. And then if you had to do an inverted sheet pan. But 
the steel would be best. So it's like a 60 to 90 second boil on them and you take them out and just throw your toppings on and pitch them right on the the baking seal. And it's great with parchment. Like I just put parchment on a peel and then put the wet bagels on there and slide the whole parchment right on. And it's like 14 minutes to cook. And they're amazing. amazing. You know, I even tell folks to put a sheet tray on top, right? Because now you can get even cooking for cookies, bagels, pies are amazing. Like slab pies or put your pie plate in your Pyrex glass right on top of your steel. And everyone's first uh, reaction is, is it going to bust the, the so glass? glass is so. okay. Cause I had this question last week at home. Um, so glass is fine to put a Pyrex on it. Totally. Um, I'd use a brand name like Pyrex, but yeah, glass, because essentially the steel isn't going to get hotter than what we tell it. Right. Right. We, we set our oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that's what the steel is going to be, but it's going to be edge to edge. Whereas those oven racks, if you think about it, it's not storing any energy there. It's just a rack to support what's going on top. Well, now we've got a, the steel and whatever goes on top, edge to edge, in the case of a pie, you're going to get a really crispy bottom, which for me is unbelievable because I've had so many pies I've sliced into them. And you got a slicey wet bottom. Oh, yeah. That's Not the too worst. Mm-mm. My it's, least it's favorite terrible, thing is right? like, pie, like I'm always trying to find the best way to make a pie crust that is nice and crispy on the bottom. When I'm a big fan of uh, pan pizza, like as much as I like, uh, like growing up in Massachusetts, we only had Greek pizza where I grew up, which was, sure. you know, um, Same. You do a, a lot like that. And then there's, you know, bar pizza if you want to get into the very nooks and crannies yeah. of like Massachusetts pizza. It's like so next level. I don't think I had had Neapolitan pizza until I was in college, to be honest. Like, we only had Greek pizza in Marlboro. And, you know, that crispy crust is kind of like pan fried. And that's what mm-hmm. I loved. And the first time I had like a, you know, flowery kind of dry crust, I was like, what? It was just so weird to yeah. me. You know, and to say I was yeah. like, you know, 18 years old, I'd never really had pizza like that that I could remember. And you're using like a, yeah, a fork and a knife to cut it, right? The, the yeah. Neapolitan style, which is cool, by the way. It's its own, like, it's its own. There's so many Style. different styles, yeah. Sure, it's great. And I, I feel like the baking steel, what that does, it kind of takes the the ingredients of a, a Neapolitan, the simplicity of it, and crisps it up on the bottom, which I prefer personally, a crispy bottom with a light, with a light airy crust, which it creates. Because, you know, I'm making, I don't know about you, my time on a baking steel pizza now in my oven's like, you know, two or three minutes. What do you think about putting a pizza, like building it on parchment, on, like, I have trouble mm. pitching pizza. Like, sure. like, I've tried. It just, like, it comes out okay, but not always. Like, I've seen people on forums talk about, like, yeah, just put parchment on your peel, build the pizza on that, and then slide the whole thing on on the paper and give it, you know, like, maybe even a minute and try and pull it out. Or, I mean, with the bagels, it worked really well that it conducted straight through the parchment. What are your thoughts sure. on oh, that? Yeah. Have you ever played with that? That's a great – yeah, oh, totally. In fact, yeah, that's a big question. In fact, we teach classes at our Bacon Steel Test Kitchen, and – the number one question is the launch, right? Everyone's, it's it's horrifying. Yeah. Going into a 500 degree oven, you got this thing that like a little handle on it and you got to sh- kind of shimmy it off. Well, there's some techniques you can use, yeah. but first your parchment, yes, great idea. In fact, it allows the, the ease, ease of the launch because you can just kind of take a corner of the paper and kind of slide it on top, right? Mm-hmm. The one thing I don't like about parchment, one, it's not as traditional, so it's not as cool, right? But um, two, I I like to use the broiler. I know this from experience. You use the, a gas broiler with parchment paper, 
you have a fire. <laughs> it's totally yes, yeah. Because I do like I've read the techniques of you know like you heat the steel for like an hour, then you shut off the oven, but you turn the broiler on for five minutes, and you know like toggling back and forth between kind yes. of the hot, like put it on the, up towards the top, get the broiler so you have the radiant heat. And I don't know, uh, is a wood peel better than a metal? Because I got one that was like metal, and I have a friend who's in the pizza business. He's like, you should have gotten a wood one. Like, th- you have less trouble, like, getting it off. That's a good point. And I think the, the the theory behind that is, you know, pizza dough generally in, is moist, right? It's got some uh, moisture. So the wood peel is going to whisk that away a little bit better than a metal peel would. So, yeah, wood to launch for sure. I know some people will use the metal to help retrieve it out, which is, I think, a lot easier anyway. It's to use some tongs or something and slide it back because now it's it's whole. But when it's when it's that dough is loose and soft, man, if you can't get it off, you're gonna have some troubles. <laughs> we call it the the in, unintentional calzone. They're still edible, um, but I've definitely yeah, slid yeah. it, and then like the sauce and the cheese kind of like slides right off onto the steel, and then you have like oh yeah, kind of <laughs> cooking and sauce there. It's, it's, it's a mess. The better you get, the 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 less the easier it becomes. It takes practice, and I you know I urge people make pizza all the time, right? There you go. That's the best answer. And if you're really you know really horrified, you know take some play doh a piece of cardboard, something on your peel, and just practice like shimmying. The idea is to dust that peel first with a little bit of semolina flour, a little bit of flour, less is more, and just practice. And again, honestly, after one one good practice session of two or three launches, you'll, you'll have it. It'll be intuitive. Yeah, I feel like after half a dozen or so, I was getting better. It still, still needs a little work, but it just means I need to make more pizza. Do you have anything you want to leave the audience with before we get out of here today? Anything we didn't talk about? Any words of wisdom? You've got such a great audience. And, you know, as an entrepreneur and as somebody who's in the food world and talk about ideas, you know, execution is everything. Ideas are great, but, you know, it doesn't have to be perfect. Don't, it's never going to be perfect. Just go out. And if you really feel it, like you're feeling this thing and this won't go away, go make it happen. You know, take that very first step, take massive action. Don't worry about what people are going to tell you. Don't worry about that, you know, them clobbering you like this is a bad idea. Just go out and do it and take that first step. You will be so happy and proud of yourself. I still, to this day, think back to that time I read that article and so happy that I took massive action. And it took me, again, eight to 12 months to believe in myself. But I did, and that was, again, not perfect by any means, but I did it. And I'm so happy today that I've followed through. And I do the same thing today. If I have an idea and I really, I'll take those first steps, they're not always going to work for me, but I'll learn something. And that's my mantra. Something always leads to something. I believe in just like incrementally, like if you're getting 1% better every day at something oh, man. in the right direction, and the same with the business I mean, and the podcast as well. I mean, I've often said, if you listen to our first podcasts, they do not sound great. I, <laughs> I was not trained in this. It was something that just kind of, we started, I actually had a co-host when we started and we just did it. And I didn't know anything about audio engineering. I didn't really, I wasn't a great interviewer, just like, but we just did it. We sat down with people who we liked and we Thank wanted you. to talk with them and interview them and put it out there. And yes, we got some feedback that the audio quality wasn't great or the leveling wasn't great. And then you just take that. It's like, okay, they have a point. Let me watch some YouTube videos on how to do some audio leveling. And then it's like, 
okay, I've kind of got that part down. How do I become a better storyteller? How do I, oh. you know, I didn't used to write down questions. It was just kind of like on the fly. And I think a lot of people think that is not professional. Like in the podcasting world, I hear people say like, oh, you don't want to have questions. You just want it to be a natural conversation. Yeah. But like, there should be some prompts somewhere where you sure, have some yeah. idea, right? great advice. But it was just like, if I had overthought it, I never would have got going. You know, there's so many ways to just say like, I don't know this. I don't know that. What about this? You don't know anything, right? We we still don't. And I I guess, and someone gave me an advice. I I got beat up and I still do once in a while from comments or um, no one successful is ever going to, you know, be that guy and criticize you. They're always going to be supportive. And so if anybody's there just kind of throwing stones at me, you know, let's put the microscope on them, if you will. And it gave me the confidence to like have thicker skin. Don't worry about if someone slams me because I'm in the arena, I'm doing it, right? And that's all that matters. I think that's an amazing place to leave the episode, right? Like I can't think of anything better to finish off with because I that's how I like to live my life as well. I love it. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thanks for coming on the show. I look forward to continuing to follow along on the internet and see what you're doing. And I'll be shooting you questions as they come up if I have any uh, baking steel or pizza related. That sounds great, man. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, thanks for listening. This has been Chris with the Chefs Without Restaurants podcast. Go to chefswithoutrestaurants.org to find our Facebook group, mailing list, and chef database. The community is free to join. You'll get gig opportunities, advice on building and growing your business, and you'll never miss an episode of our podcast. Have a great week.